The Weekend Wager with Anita Marks starts now. We've got uh, Erin Dolan, who's going to be joining us on the show tonight. Uh, she just joined our uh, our ESPN family at Daily Wager. And so I want to say she's uh, she's been on board now for a month, month and a half. So I thought it'd be great to have her come on and, and, and do a, a deep dive into the uh, the Super Bowl that will be here in what a, a week and two days, guys. Right? We've got by the way, we got Brian and Jacob who are producing the show uh, in the studio. So uh, and, and just a quick note as well, we will not have a week and wager show next Friday. So this will be the final week and wager show that we will do prior to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to spend a lot of time uh, tonight talking about my picks and my plays and all the reasons why. Uh, and I will weave those through all our guests, Aaron Dolan being one of them. Mike Clay, I always like to play. Mike Clay and I, we uh, recorded a podcast earlier today in regard to the prop bets that we both like heading into the Super Bowl. So I always like to play that for you on the show as well. Uh, and and quick note here, and, and Aaron and I are, I, I know, you know, we, we're, we feel very strongly about this. And, and, and so for folks... You know, maybe you're just, you know, New York just got into uh, the gambling game. Uh, and, you know, maybe you're new to gambling. So when these lines come out, and they've already been out for a good week, right? Like, you want to jump on them. Because what happens is the more a line is bet, um, the odds change. And so a good strategy what you can do is get on the lines as soon as they as soon as they hit you you know you early bird gets the worm uh, that phrase so is is holds so true when it comes to gambling that's for sure um so so when the line hits you want to jump on it because it's going to change based on the money flow and what and how it's being wagered the, and, and also the odds are going to change as well. So a good strategy to have is jump on a lot of the lines that you'll hear throughout the next two hours uh, in regard to the prop bets out there for the Super Bowl. But jump on them now because what happens is we might feel really strongly about an over now because the line just hit. But by the time kickoff happens, on super on on Super Bowl Sunday, you then you know the the so for example and and this is one that I've been talking about often and and that is you know Odell Beckham Jr. over under five and a half receptions. Well, right now at five and a half, I think a lot of people because Odell is is his last four games has become a, a bigger part of that Rams offense. A lot of people are going to be betting that by the time that the Super Bowl kicks off, I wouldn't be surprised if that's up to six and a half. Once it hits six and a half, I'm going under. It's really hard for a wide receiver to have six receptions in a game, let alone seven. So again, I, I just use that as an example just because, you know, you, you really should have two different strategies. Right now, if there, I'm sure there are a number of, of lines out there, especially ones that, that I, I'm going to present to you where the majority of the time I like betting the over. People say to me all the time, why do you bet the over so much? Well, um, A, I, I, I just don't bet any over. Um, I do a lot of research in regard to the prop bets. Um, Mike Clay and I, the, the podcast that I will, I will play for you tonight, we're 70% on the season. And if you know anything again about 
gambling, 70%, you're making people money, which is great. But, um, I just, I, I, you know, I like to play the overs because I I like to root for players to do well, as opposed to rooting for players to do poorly. Just, uh, it's, it's just, to me, it's, it's a lot more fun to root for the overs and to put money down on the overs, but you also want to be wise on, on the overs. And if, if the line is, uh, is ridiculous, then obviously you want to, you want to go under. So just keep that in mind. Uh, so we'll hear from Aaron Dolan. We'll hear from Mike Clay. David Behrman is going to join us as always, uh, at 11 PM tonight. We'll talk golf. You've got golf taking place over there on the left coast at Pebble Beach and uh, Seamus Power is just kicking butt and taking names. I tell you what, boy, unbelievable. He's 16 under. He shot eight under. He shot two sixty fours on Thursday and Friday. So uh, he's got a 60% chance of winning. And oh, by the way, you can jump on that right now at, at even money. At even money. You're laying 100, you win 100. You lay a thousand, you win a thousand. Sixty percent chance in regard to how well he plays uh, those three golf courses. And oh, by the way, he's got the easiest of the three: the Monterey uh, Coastal Country Club course. He has the easiest of the three tomorrow, and then that's when the cut line uh, gets established, and uh, and then everybody has to play Pebble on Sunday. So. Uh, at even money, I mean, <laughs> again, that's another hashtag, run, don't walk, go jump on that because you're not going to get even money going into Sunday. That's for sure. So uh, we'll, we'll talk We'll talk golf with David Behrman as well as, uh, as, as NFL getting you ready again for Super Bowl Sunday considering that uh, we won't have a show next Friday uh, because, uh, Dave, um, Brian, is it is – it, um, is it the Knicks or is it the Rangers? Next who, Friday who? we got Islanders at Oilers. That's why. There you go. And it's there a li- go. Wet, they're on like you know they're on the other side, so that's why it's wait, very it. late game. Got it. Got it. So we we want to we want to make sure we are chock full of um, all the Super Bowl information for you, and also Bill Barnwell, one of one of my favorite writers, uh, columnists at uh, at ESPN. He's uh, he's going to jump on board. He has an excellent article out in regard to, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, how did they get so good so quickly? What did they do so differently, right? Like, the Giants have been struggling for, feels like forever now. It's been, you know, almost a decade. But, you know, what, how are the, how are the Cincinnati Bengals able, able to turn around in a competitive division? Let's keep that in mind, right? Um... And now here they are representing the AFC. So I thought it'd be great to have him on. He'd give us a little bit more insight in regards to his column that's up on ESPN. Talk about the uh, the Super Bowl. Also talk about the landscape of where the head coaches are. And as well as the quarterback carousel that more than likely is going to take place in the offseason. And we'll talk about some odds that you can jump on right now for teams that you think will win the Super Bowl next year. Right? So, uh, so we will do all of that in the next two hours. So buckle up, hang tight. When we get back, uh, I want to dive into my Super Bowl picks and plays, and then uh, we'll hear from Aaron Dolan 
coming your way at 10.30. Also, I'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. If you have a Super Bowl play that you like, if you've got a prop bet you have your eye on, and uh, and and you want to inform me of it? I'm happy to uh, I'm happy to have you pop on and share it with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Weekend Wager. That's right. And one of my partners in crime on Daily Wager. Shameless plug, not so shameless. You could watch Monday through Friday, six to seven p.m. on ESPN two. Aaron Dolan joins us now, uh, new member of our family, and is kicking butt and taking names uh, so far this season with us. Aaron, thank you so much. This is your debut on Weekend Wager? Welcome in, my friend. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited to come on. Yeah, this is this is again, this is a fun show. It's on late at night. You know, we, we talk about everything. You know, I'm going to have David Behrman on a little bit later. We're going to talk some golf. Uh, obviously, a lot of NFL, getting everybody ready for yeah. the Super Bowl. Every now and then we talk a little UFC if there's a big fight going on, mm-hmm. some NBA. So uh, we, we, we like to touch on everything, get everybody ready for the weekend. Obviously, you and I are going to do a deep dive into uh, the Super Bowl. So we're getting everybody ready for next weekend. It's gonna, first, first things first, don't you think it's going to be kind of weird, like, were there what like let me ask you this what are you going to do sunday i've like i've got i've got brunch plans with my friends who i haven't seen in six months that's i'm going into the city doing a big boozy brunch that's what i'm doing like like it's it's (laughs) like a right it's like uh it's it's weird like haven't done anything like that on a sunday in six months Honestly, I'm a big love to watch the game on a couch type of girl. I don't really like to be out for the games unless it's like a random regular season weekend Sunday. There's a million games on the board and you're having drinks and brunch and whatnot. But I feel like for the Super Bowl, I love to like sit and actually watch it. And that's actually one of my um, favorite memories I have when the Eagles four years ago today won the Super Bowl. I actually sat on the couch and watched it with my dad instead of going down to the city and watching it with like all of my friends. So I actually have a really good memory with him in terms of that well no i'm listen i'm I'm with you in regard to watching the super bowl i like to watch it i like to watch it at home for years i used to travel i used to go to the super bowl and i would be there like the week of i would arrive on sunday night i'd be there monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday i'd go to all the parties I'd, i'd cover it media wise and then i would jump on a flight and come home on saturday because i wanted to be home sunday to watch the game in my house on my tv all of that, but I'm just saying, like, I feel like this... they always kick you out, though. I feel like all the media <laughs> leaves by Saturday for the week of the Super Bowl. I think people don't realize that they're never really there for the game. Well, I, I mean, I don't like, I don't know about you. Like, I'm done. Like, I, like after that week, like, I'm done. Like, I'm ready to go home <laughs> on Saturday morning. I don't know about you. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm partied out. Like, I know a lot of the really great parties happen on 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 Saturday yeah. night. But like, the I'm, last like, I'm Super Bowl I went to was Miami, and I was partied out. Yeah, like, like done, just done. But I, what, what I'm saying is like this Sunday, like this Sunday is going to be, what do we do? What Like, yeah, there's NBA. Yeah, know, there's co- I like, I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, I'm I mean, like, I'm, any, our producer was asking, maybe we'll be, some people will be around. Maybe they'll throw us on some shows. Who knows? I just, I personally don't have any plans. I wish I did. Well, you're well. You're welcome. You're welcome to. You're welcome to come to New York and, and do the, the the boozy boozy brunch with me this Sunday. Anyway, uh, let's 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 get into the game. And uh, you know, we we know 
we've been talking about it all week, right? Cincinnati getting the four and a half Rams favored over unders at 48 and a half. First things first, what, what, what's, what, how are you going to play this, this, this matchup on Super Bowl Sunday? What, what plays do you have in the game itself? Mm-hmm. So I haven't made an absolute definitive hundred percent. This is what I'm going with, but I was originally leaning right towards the under when I saw the total posted at 50 and it has dropped to 48 and a half. The Bengals the last four games have played towards the under. And I just feel like they don't put up a ton of points. Uh, Evan McPherson, the kicker is predominantly who's putting up the points in general. Um, I feel like, this line at four and a half just it feels a little fishy considering a lot of the tickets are on the Rams and obviously the Bengals are going to be this big public favorite. People in the Super Bowl love to bet the underdog, they love to bet overs, but it's actually surprising right now in Caesars to see fifty four percent of the tickets, seventy nine percent of the money coming in on the under there. So I guess that's why that line keeps dropping. But Anita, you keep talking about it and you mentioned it a couple of times on our shows for daily wager, just the Bengals getting four and a half. It's almost like, how can you not take this? We almost, we had this discussion on the show. Like, are we going to look back in a few, maybe like weeks, months and be like, why didn't we just take the Bengals at plus four and a half? This was a no brainer. I'm just, listen, I, I, I doubted them two times already and, and I got burned. So I'm just, I'm not going to do it. Like, you know, the best team doesn't always win. They really like, so, you know, why are the Rams favored? You know, because they went out and they spent, they spent Mm -hmm. a gazillion dollars uh, on free agent players. And and of course, you know, we can break them down like Mm -hmm. Odell Beckham Jr. Right. And Von Miller and the list goes on and on. But, um, you know, look at, look at Cincinnati beat the Tennessee Titans. You can honestly say Tennessee has a better team and then the Chiefs twice within 30 days. So I, know. I mean, that's insane. That's why I'm like, maybe are the Bengals just so good and we're being so naive in terms of this? Possibly, possibly. So, uh, so I'm uh, again, I'm all over the Bengals at plus four and a half. I'm going to play them on the money line. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I before like before I want to say the money line was at plus one eighty. It's dropped down to plus one sixty five, plus one sixty in some places now. I'm also going to. This is how much I believe in the Bengals, Aaron. I'm also going to play them as an alternate spread at minus two and a half at plus one ninety. Wow. Yep. And you know me, I love I the do two. Feel I like this I, game will come down to a field goal. I really right. do think it will. I do. Do I do as well? That's why I and, feel like you have to back the Bengals. I, and and McPherson to me is a better field goal kicker than Gay. Uh, also, uh, you know me, I like that two. Two two way six point teaser. So I'm going to tease the Bengals up to plus ten and a half. Your favorite word. Yep, I love it. I love those. I've been winning like um, early on, earlier on in the season. I was winning like eighty percent of those. Uh, towards the end of the season, uh, that winning it dropped down to to seventy four percent. But still, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you're winning. You're winning at a rate it it it's seventy over seventy percent. You're winning money. So and and also one last thing, I'm gonna play the ten, I'm gonna play the Cincinnati Bengals team total over 21 and a half points, and you get that at minus 110. So I, I I've got mad crazy conviction. I'm already in. I've got my money down on the game. Um, let's let's talk about some of the prop bets out there that that we like. What are some of the prop bets mm-hmm. that you've already put money on that you that you see and you're like, oh man, I've got to jump on this now, and you have. Yes. So one of them, um, since we keep kind of talking about this game, potentially coming down to a field goal and how great Evan McPherson is, I do like him over his kicking points at seven and a half. It keeps getting juiced. I won't be surprised if this gets set up a little bit. He's cashed over his kicking prop in the last three postseason games. He's 40 points in the last three games. Four of them 
only being extra points. And, I mean, he's had 100% efficiency in the last three games. That's breaking a rookie record for the playoffs. On top of that, you could take the Bengals, Bengals' longest field goal made. Um, I do think McPherson, again, will have a big game. He's more efficient. He's, you know, kicked in a longer field goal already than Matt Gay. And you could also take McPherson over one-and-a-half made field goals. I did see that um, on a couple of the sports books featured. It is a little juice. It's minus 150, so I personally haven't put money on that one. But, again, if you find a side that you like, like per se, I'm saying I love you know Evan McPherson and his kicking points, there's so many different markets that relate and correlate to it with the Super Bowl. I mean, there's hundreds of markets. It can be overwhelming when you look at the sports books. But just remember, there might be, you know, a bet that you like and you can find it at better value, which is when it's basically the same thing. Uh, again, uh, Aaron Dolan joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, you can see her all over a number of uh, a variety of platforms on ESPN, uh, talking all things daily wager and gambling. Uh, what are let, Let's end on this. What are some of the profits out there that you are keeping an eye on that you're hoping will change in your benefit? Like, for example, one that I'm looking at is right now Odell Beckham Jr. over under five and a half receptions. That's pretty high, right? Like, I, I, I understand mm-hmm. that his target share has gone up tremendously in the last four games, but I have a feeling that that's going to go up to six and a half. And once it does, I'm going to take the under. Like, I can see Odell getting six receptions. Yeah. I can see Odell getting five receptions. I like the over in his receiving yards, but I just have a sneaky I have a sneaky feeling that that's going to go up to six and a half, and I'm waiting for it to do so, and then I'm going to take the under. So are, are, there, are, are there any prop bets yeah. out there that you're looking at that way? I mean, I think you make a great point in just that you can wait since there's, you know, two weeks between the Super Bowl to really track some of these bets and get it where you want. I think a lot of these bets are juiced and a lot of people will be wanting to bet the overs. I think we'll kind of be able to see really where the market stands in the next couple of days as we get closer to the Super Bowl. And just for anybody that's new to betting, please do not bet on Sunday morning of the Super Bowl and think you're going to get the best lines. I mean, these are going to be really picked through over the last two weeks. There's no bet I would say in particular that I'm absolutely keeping an eye on um, in terms of that. But just in general, I mean, it is really important to track these lines. Yeah, absolutely. And Aaron makes an excellent point. You know, uh, if you haven't already jumped on these lines, A, jump on them now. Um, if if you are going to wait until the day of the Super Bowl, majority, take the majority of unders. If So a lot of times I'll do that, Aaron, like as soon as he's like, like and just you know, full transparency. I, I've, I've put money down on, on all my plays that I like, right? Like I, I've already, I've bet the Super Bowl already. I'm going to wait. Mm-hmm. And then on the day of the Super Bowl, I'm going to see where these lines are and I'm going to take the under. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of them, if it like, for like, like the example that I, I shared with you in regard to Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I can win both ways. Um, and, and I think, and I think that's a, a sneaky good way of playing these prop bets for the Super Bowl as well. So. Uh, any any final thoughts before yeah. we let you get off to your fun weekend off? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's crazy. I don't have to stay in Friday and Saturday night. We have no shows this weekend. Um, good luck on your Super Bowl bets. Always remember you can live bet as well. That's a big feature that people can take advantage of as long as they're not out doing brunch, Anita. But um, <laughs> never want to bet under the influence. But have fun. And, yeah, good luck in your bets. Fantastic. Again, uh, she's Aaron Dolan. I'm Anita Marks. You're listening to We Can Wager here on 90.7 ESPN, brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet. BetMGM Sports right here on 98.7 ESPN. If I had a million dollars, I'd put it on uh, Seamus Power right about now.
David. That's what I do. You calling the event over? Is it done? Tina? Finished? <laughs> I mean, like, listen, you know, I've got him, I've got him 60%, 60% chance of winning. 60%. Well, you wouldn't put, That's what I have. You wouldn't put a million dollars on that then. Uh, he looks pretty Six, darn good. 60%, we'll 60%, of the, 60% chance of winning at even money. Uh, and oh, and oh, by the way, by the way, really quick, he plays the easiest of the three courses still remaining, the Monterey Peninsula Country Club course. So he plays that tomorrow. It's the easiest of the three. He's already shot two 64s on Thursday and Friday. Uh, yeah, man. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it on power. <laughs> How are you? Well, How are you doing? Sleep, you, you just <laughs> the golf so I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I forget that the golf tournament going on with uh, all the Super Bowl stuff. As I want to apologize to to every of uh, all of your listeners this week who dialed into our column and saw your picks and Felica's picks and my picks missing. Apologies to. The legions of fish. Look forward to those picks, but with the amount of Super Bowl content we had this week, you call me the gatekeeper. Well, that's what I was doing all week long. So I did make a couple of wagers just before tea time on on Thursday. I was like, "Oh crap, there's a golf tournament." I have some action on Jason Day. I had some action on your boy Maverick McNeely, which was just a waste of money. Um, hopefully, he'll make the cut. And I have that that one DFS lineup in there in the. Um, in the same league you're in. Actually, I'm in 13th place, so looks like uh, I'm having a good week. And that's because I didn't put much thought into it. When I stay up for hours studying and studying and studying, I don't do as well as when I do it in five minutes. So how are you? Isn't <laughs> isn't, isn't that the truth, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, listen, well, I'm, I'm, it, it, I'm doing well. Uh, again, you know, I, I, I picked Jason Day uh, to win this thing. I have him as, uh, where it stands right now, a 5% chance uh, of, of winning. Um. Yeah. Good luck with that. So, um, he is in the top ten. Yeah, I, and and I and and I do believe, and I do believe that he will end up in the top five. Um, he plays Spyglass tomorrow. Nobody plays Spyglass better than Jason Day. So I do believe, you know, they typically call Saturday Moving Day, and so I do believe that he's going to move up. I, I wouldn't be shocked uh, if he finishes in the top five. Not sure what happened with McNeely. I, I mean, you know, he he uh, he had a first a great first round, and then just did not do well today. I also have Justin Rose finishing in the top twenty. It looks like he's going to be able to do that, and uh, and merit as well to finish in the top forty. So, you know, and I and I say this, you know, it's funny. I know you and I talk about it. You know, whenever the producers at Daily Wager, they're always like, "Give us your winner." I'm like, "I'll give you a winner," but like, you win money. You, how you wager on golf and you win money is you you pick guys who are going to finish in the top five, top ten, top twenty. Even probably the most money I win are guys that I pick to finish in the top twenty and top forty. That's where you're that's yeah, where you're winning 20s, money. Hundred percent agree. Top twenties, top forties, top tens, uh, the occasional top five, and where I tend to do extremely well outside of those is the matchups. And unfortunately, this week the books kind of didn't give many matchups because you do have three courses to rotate through before you go in, but we will have matchups on Sunday. The books will post them more on Sunday. So I look forward to doing that. Um, I, I don't know about you, but like, I can't wait for this event to be over because I'm done with the multi-course events. They just, I know where they do them. Not as much daylight. You got to space it out. Pro-Ams with the celebrities have their fun. 
So you and I are built for these tournaments that are four days on one course. And so this is it. This is three straight weeks of multiple courses. And then we can move on to Scottsdale next week and have some nice four days, one course, handicap it out, have some matchups, have some daily matchups, have some tournament matchups. That's where you make the most money. Yes, it's very nice to hit a Luke list at 200 and something to one if you had that. Um, but outside of that, you, you really do make the money in the top 10s, 20s, 40s and matchups. And, and a little bit get back to normal next week when they go to Scottsdale and it's a normal type of event. See, I, I, I like, I've, I've, I've been enjoying handicapping these multi-course uh, tournaments because I, because you it's know what so, I do. It's so hard to, I know what you do on a daily basis, but it, it's tough because you don't, and that, it, it, I don't know how you're doing this week, but it's not as easy as it was two weeks ago with the North and the South or, or last week with the North and the South and two weeks ago with the three different courses in LA because like Monterey Bay is almost as difficult as, as, as Pebble and Spyglass. Which one did you say was the easiest one? Spyglass, right? No, Mon- Monterey, other- Monterey is, Monterey is supposed to be the easiest when there's, when there's no wind and there hasn't been, I mean, right. weather conditions there have been, fantastic so it goes pebbles the most difficult there's overall as you saw today with the 64 out of your board power that that pebble can be gotten under these conditions and so there's not that big of a difference last week at tory north south south course it's you know it's it's like you and me playing in uni and then going and playing augusta there's a lot of difference um there isn't that much here Uh, you may like it and i guess from a day to day you can do it but there's just no data from the other courses. And I like to deal in the data and look at the shots game and see what they're doing. You just don't have that information. So these type of tournaments and you mix in the six hour rounds with the celebrities and it becomes a little bit more difficult, but Hey, it's at Pebble and I'm in my basement right now staring at the seventh hole of Pebble. So we're all a big fan of Pebble beach. There you go. Uh, David Behrman joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Again, I like to call him the gatekeeper of all things gambling on our digital platform on ESPN. Uh, really quick before we move on to NFL, uh, and we have a plethora of NFL content that we're going to share, let everybody know where they can find it. I do have some matchups heading into tomorrow, um, and I have done my due diligence in regard to course history, course stats, as well as uh, course fit. So uh, I've got Rose over Champ, Kucher over, I never pronounce these names, Fratelli, Fratelli. Um, Yep, yep, Piercy over Cook, Jason Day over Fitzpatrick, who was on fire today. I get that. But like I said, nobody plays Spyglass better than Jason Day. Uh, And I I think he dominates tomorrow. Uh, Hoagie over, uh, is it Domin? And Streelman over um, uh, Keith Mitchell. So those are those are the matchups that I'm uh, that I'm. Did we just lose? Did we just lose? We just lost David. Oh, that stinks. So um, so again. So what David is talking about, if if you don't necessarily follow golf, uh, this tournament because it's a pro am and you've got amateurs playing with pros. They split it up where not only are you teeing off on holes one and ten, but you're also you've got three courses that they're all that they're all playing, and so it's it's it, this this tournament is a little bit more difficult to handicap uh, because you you really have to handicap three courses and the guys are playing on a different course all three days, and then the cut 
is at the end of the day tomorrow. And then those that do make the cut then play Pebble on Sunday. Do we have David back? Oh, fantastic. I am back. I only heard the end of that. Uh, One thing to also remind people of because of the way the tournament is set up and and the three different courses that it's actually only top 60 in ties tomorrow and not the normal 65 or 70 as it used to be. So uh, only 60 in ties. You got to get up into the top 60 to make it to Sunday. Um, all right, so let's dive into all the e- the ESPN's uh, content in regard to the, and by the way, this is we, we don't have a show next week because the Islanders game. So this is really it. Um, so why don't you let the listeners know exactly what's out there right now for them to digest in regard to content when it comes to the Super Bowl and what is coming this week, David? Sure. We, uh, we have a lot of content out there right now on ESPN.com, um, ESPN Chalk. Uh, we have a module right there on, on page one. If you click on it, it's our landing page. Uh, it'll take you right to all of our Super Bowl content. We currently have uh, Eric Moody's first look at the props. He, he picked three player props and three team props that he liked right when the props were officially out on Thursday. He has those out there. Uh, we have Seth Walder's ESPN Plus first look using FPI to determine who he thinks has value, and he, he's not to give it away, but he likes the Rams. Uh, David Purdom has a whole bunch of feature stories out there, one on welcome to the Super Bowl. This might be your first time betting it. Here's all the different things you can bet. Uh, our boy Mattress Mac out of Houston made a $4.53 million bet, or like I like to describe Anita, he drove over the border of Louisiana and made 20 different $200,000 wagers on his uh, on his Caesars app on his phone. I thought that was quite funny. I, you and I make 20 different $10 bets, and he made 20 different $200,000 bets. Wow. Um, <laughs> but I am excited to tell you that next week we're going to have uh, Joe Fortenbaugh's uh, article on him versus the mush, his own personal mush that he has. We're also going to have best bets, which is going to include your picks, Anita's picks, as well as um, all of our cast of characters will be in Tuesday's column. That's my subtle reminder to Anita to go ahead and put those picks in the column for us. Uh, we will have Mike Clay's props picks out next week, as well as Matthew Berry's going to make his Super Bowl predictions. Um, and then, of course, on Friday, the Swami, Chris Berman, has his Woo! Super Bowl pick. And Anita, I had a nice 45-minute phone call with the legendary Chris Berman today. and I can tell you. Nobody circles the wagons like Chris Berman. It was good. <laughs> it was fun. And I will only spoil a little part. The last two weekends of football were pretty good. So obviously the Super Bowl is going to come down to the wire. Tune in Friday to see who we picked. But it's fun. I haven't written it yet, but I have my notes. Um, but that will be out on Friday. Again, best bets on Tuesday. Um Mike Clay's column on Wednesday. We're also going to have Matthew Berry as well as uh, Chris Berman. So all the people are coming out to give us gambling stuff um, out next week. Tons of content on the Super Bowl all week long. And, of course, on Sunday, you'll have Super Bowl between Cincinnati Bengals and Los Angeles Rams, just like we thought it would be. Right, Anita? Yeah. Uh, listen, at least I got half of it right. <laughs> my, my preseason pick was the Bills and, and the Rams. And and look what happened there. So um, yeah, I, I had bills. I had bills and Packers. So um, I didn't even have a dog in the race. 
So we'll see what we'll, we'll see what happens there. But um, why don't you give us, uh, you know, as of right now, I've I had Mike Clay on a little bit earlier. I had Aaron on a little bit earlier. You know, as of right now, what are some of the bets that you have placed for the Super Bowl? Sure. Um, as soon as the line came out on uh, last Sunday, I did place money on the Bengals at four and a half. Um, I do think they're going to keep it close, and even if they don't early, they tend to come back as they always do. They're six and one in games where they're getting three or more points. And if you look at the Rams, the Rams are not exactly a team that, outside of the wild card game against Arizona, who they had seen two twice previously. Um, they haven't blown anybody out. They struggled against Minnesota late in the year. They struggled against Baltimore without Lamar Jackson. They struggled against Seattle, struggled against San Francisco multiple times. This is not a team that blows people out. And Cincinnati is a team that tends to just never give up. So I'm taking the four and a half points. Uh, I'm tempted to take the Bengals money line to win outright, but I think the Rams are too talented. I do think that Joe Burrow is going to have a pretty good day against the Rams secondary. I think he'll hit his over. I look for Joe Mixon to not hit the over in rushing, but hit the over in receptions out of the backfield. Um, I think T. Higgins is going to have a pretty good game, more so than Jamar Chase. On the flip side, I think Matthew Stafford will probably hit his rushing yards uh, since he's been doing more of that recently. Um, I don't think he'll go over the total passing. I think they're going to be more of a mix and match with Cam Akers in the backfield. But I do look for Odell Beckham to have a decent game, probably have four or five catches. So I'm not sure he hits that six catch thing that, you know, it's five and a half is his number. Um, I do expect both kickers to do well. And if you've been listening to Mike Clay and reading his column all year, he's picked both Matt Gay as well as McPherson to go over their point total in about five straight weeks. And they continue to go over their point total. So I'm going to take both kickers over one and a half field goals as well. Yeah. Um, one of my, and I, I mentioned it earlier on the show, one of my favorite prop bets, and of course this will be in the column, um, will be uh, longest, longest field goal over under 48 and a half yards going over there. Um, McPherson like is just, I mean, he's just, he, he's been, he's been a beast. I don't think he's missed one field goal. Like, you know, in, around 50, 50, anything over 50 yards. And, you know, you, you school, I mean, to, ha- to have that kind of weapon, University of Florida, right? Absolutely. Just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> He's so funny. So uh, so before we let you go, just out of curiosity, because, again, you're the gatekeeper uh, with, uh, you know, all the analysts, the gambling content and everything. What, what would you feel, you know, what, uh, two question, two-part question here. A, Where's where's the public money flowing right now? And B, in regard to the analysts who who write for you, um, where where do you see the majority of analysts? What side are they on? I the public money right now is fairly split. It's a little bit of an edge to the Bengals as of this afternoon. Our numbers from Caesars, nothing huge to the point where it's eye-opening with the way the Super Bowl betting works. Usually the Sharps jump in right off the bat, and then they wait while the public hits the number for the next two weeks, and then the Sharps will jump back in on Saturday of Super Bowl Saturday before the Sunday game. So right now the money is leaning slightly towards the Bengals. As far as the analysts are concerned, not to give away all the columns, but the people who I have spoken to so far are leaning Rams. Um, Most of them are picking the Rams to win but about half of them are picking them to cover and half of them are not. You think about it, a Rams three-point win, which 
is what we've seen in the 2021-22 playoffs. We've seen a whole bunch of three-point wins. Like, almost every game is a walk-off field goal. Um, and even the one that went to overtime in Kansas City beat Buffalo was a touchdown in overtime, but it was tied, obviously. A three-point Rams win does not give them the cover. So a lot of people are thinking Rams win by three, but don't cover the spread. I will caution you, the first 11 games of the postseason, the team that covered one until the Rams won by three over the Niners as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And over the course of Super Bowl history, 80% of the Super Bowl covers have actually won outright. So for the most part in Super Bowl history, if the team covers, the team wins. And that works on both sides, the underdog winning outright, or if you go back to the 80s and 90s when there were a whole bunch of blowouts by the NFC, those teams that were favored by 8, 9, and 10 points wound up winning by 20, 25, and 30. So if you win, you cover. That's how the Super Bowl has been. But if you expect a close game, this spread is four, four and a half to the point where a close game would not get you to cover. In fact, my boss, Scott Clark, giving him a, a little shout out, found a nugget that said this is the fourth Super Bowl where it's been a four and a half point spread. And in the previous three, the four and a half point dog has won outright. So take that for what it wills. I expect a close game, which is why I'm going to take the four and a half with the Bengals. Love it. Love it. Uh, David, thank you. Always great uh, when we have you on. Appreciate your time, my friend. Go back to bed. I actually wasn't sleeping, you know that. I never sleep. So I'm going to watch some more uh, of The Wire. I started The Wire a few weeks ago. I haven't seen it yet, so don't tell me. Really? Aren't you, aren't you late to the party? Yeah, 10, 10 or 12 years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy. I'm, uh, I'm going to keep my eye on the 76ers game. This was my favorite play tonight. It was uh, 76ers. I got them at the, on the money line at plus 105. Also, uh, Embiid over 11 and a half rebounds and he's got uh, nine already and we're not even out of the first quarter yet so that's I did see it was delayed what what had happened I saw it was delayed so there was there was a problem with the rim there was um, imbalance on the rim they had to uh, they had to bring in a a new a new a new basket awesome so uh, David have a great night again Again, thank you so much. Okay, enjoy the weekend. All right, Bill. Uh, first things first, let's dive into the Super Bowl matchup. You've got a great article out right now on ESPN.com. Uh, how Cincinnati built a Super Bowl roster, free agents on defense, and luck with Joe Burrow, plus which teams could copy uh, their blueprint. So let's start right there. And I, I've been talking about it all show. I, I'm on Cincinnati. Like, you know, you know, that oh, so familiar phrase, right? Like burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. Burn, burn me three times, big time shame on me. I doubted them against Kansas City. I doubted them against Tennessee. Heck, they beat Kansas City, right? Like twice in, in, in less than, than 30 days. So um, I'm, not, I'm not doubting the Cincinnati team right now. But before we start talking about your picks, uh, let, let, let's talk about your article and kind of just share with us, do a deep dive in regard to um, how Cincinnati has become the team that's representing the AFC on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a clear plan here. You know, I think this was a team for years under Myron Lewis that wanted to draft and develop, which is a, a, a great way to develop players uh, if you pull it off, but their draft picks weren't hitting all that well. The development wasn't all that great. There were more players leaving than staying. 
And so they changed paths when Zach Taylor got there. You know, the first year, of course, they they go, I think, 2-14 at a really bad year, got the first overall pick. And, yeah, you know, landing Joe Burrow at the right time, getting that first overall pick, it's luck. Like, there, there's no guarantee when you're bad that you're going to end up with a franchise quarterback. Look at the Lions this year, a bad team that, you know, they're not going to get uh, a quarterback. They're going to get Kayvon Thibodeau, maybe uh, Hutchinson. They're, they're going to get a talented edge rusher, but not a star quarterback. Um, so that's luck. But then on top of it, then they really spent a lot of money in free agency, which is something they hadn't done for, geez, maybe decades on the defensive side of the ball. And, and seven or eight of their starters or their regulars on defense are guys who are free agents, guys like, uh, you know, Mike Hilton and Trey Hendrickson and Vaughn Bell had that interception uh, in overtime against the Chiefs. I mean, guys who just, you know, not superstars in most cases, Hendrickson's been a superstar, but a lot of professionals. They really are a defense that, you know, they, they communicate really well. They can play a lot of different things. They don't make mistakes all that often. They don't have superstars in most cases, but they are very sound. And I feel like, um, you know, that really helped them in the second half against the Chiefs where they were getting the doors blown off. They, they changed what they were doing, and they were professional enough to pull that off and not make mistakes in real time. And I think a lot of other defenses would have panicked and been stressed. And, you know, what continued having happen in the first half happened in the second half. So, um, and then on top of that, of course, you have the weapons, right? I mean, T. Higgins, uh, they, even though I could sample, he's not a great weapon, but a tight end to the blocking tight ends. And, of course, they re-signed Tyler Boyd, they re-signed Joe Mixon, and then they signed Jamar Chase, which you know, certainly a lot of people wanted them to take Penny Sewell, who was a good player, but Jamar Chase is a just absolute freak of nature, superstar wide receiver. So, um, you know, they've really had a very clear plan, and, you know, I don't think anyone expected them to be this good this quickly and make it to the Super Bowl in the sort of second season of this borough-led rebuild. But, um, you know, it's really clear to see what the plan they had, and I think they've executed that plan really well. It's you know you mentioned you mentioned Jamar Chase. Uh, I know you and I speak, uh, you know, not not as often as I'd like, but um, but often enough, you know that I'm I'm really big in the draft and. You know, the fact that when they when they passed on Penny Sewell, especially how many sacks Joe Burrow took and then hurt him hurting his knee at the end of the season last year. I was just like, what are they doing? But, you know, this is why they get <laughs> they paid the, the, the big bucks and, and, and I don't. And uh, Jamar Chase has just been an absolute beast this season and, and I think will be a big a big key uh, to if they do beat. Um, the Rams in the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. again, if you want to read a, a little bit more in depth in regard to again what Bill and I are talking about right now, and 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 how Cincinnati has been able to become a contender or not a pretender, especially in a very competitive division in the AFC North. Granted, Pittsburgh Steelers not what we typically know them as uh, this season, but still, um, you know, you've got a, a a Browns team and a Ravens team. Ravens suffered a lot of injuries this season, but nonetheless. Uh, very, very impressive. So with that being said, again, I've been talking about it all show long. I'm on Cincinnati for a variety of reasons that a number of the listeners already heard. Uh, Cincinnati, four and a half is the line. I'm a little surprised. I said this on Daily Wager earlier this evening, and that is, you know, to me, like, I just, I, I think yet again, we're underestimating how good this uh, Bengals team is. And and I think this line should be mm-hmm. around three um, possibly, you know, possibly three and a half, not four and a half, certainly not four and a half. I know it's a, it's a very odd number as well. So with that being said, what side are you on here? Well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty neutral. You know, I know that's not the most exciting answer, but I don't really have a strong feeling. I agree with you. I'm surprised it went to four and a half. I kind of figured it would stay at three and a half. Um, not that the biggest, you know, 
single point on the planet. You know, if it was two and a half to three and a half, that'd be a much bigger story, obviously. Um, but but I do think that, you know, we're maybe a little, Rams are running a little hot, I think, in my case. The Bengals certainly have had some luck here and there. Certainly the, the interceptions at the right time of health. But, I mean, I think about Matthew Stafford, for example. And Matthew Stafford, I mean, a guy who we know can get really hot and look really impressive, and a guy who can turn the ball over a lot. Well, he's been better this postseason, but it's also been Monk. You know, I think about that drop in the end zone uh, with the Buccaneers early in that game against the Rams. That would have made a big difference. And, of course, last uh, last week, the in the arm punt to Jaquinsky Tart that uh, unfortunately was dropped, and that led to, you know, the Rams scoring on that drive, I believe, as well. Um, so, you know, I feel like we're maybe a little more optimistic about the Rams than we should be. I, I, don't, I think it's more likely to be a low-scoring game than a high-scoring game. I know his offenses are good, but I think there's questions on the offensive line for both teams. And uh, I think both teams might be encouraged to run the ball more than maybe they should given their personnel. So to me, I, I might see more of a low-scoring slog, and I think if that's the case, you'd probably lean towards the Bengals just because you know, the Rams would have to get to four and a half um, or have, have to win by five points to get there. The over-under is at 48 and a half. Uh, I'm kind of on the fence, but I do like a two-play six-point teaser in this game. Where uh, so, so again, I'm playing Cincinnati. I'm taking the points at plus four and a half. I'm going to take Cincinnati on the money line, and the money line is plus 180. Uh, and then mm-hmm. I'm also going to play them as a two-point or six-point two-play teaser where I'm going to tease Cincinnati mm-hmm. up to plus 10 and a half. And I'm teasing the over down to 42 mm. and a half. So that's 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 yeah. that's how that's how I'm playing it. Like I, I just here's the thing. Um, I I just I, I have no conviction in regard to whether or not this is going to go over or under at 48 and a half, right? Because you never know. It's it's the Super Bowl, right? Like these two teams, <laughs> a lot of guys here for the first time, nerves. Um, you know, maybe they're going to be committed to running the ball, kind of get the, get the butterflies out early. Maybe not a lot of points are going to be scored in the first quarter. Um, maybe there's going to be some, you know, they're both going to maybe miraculously be able to run the ball against one another, eat up time of possession. (laughs) But at the same time, you've got playmakers. Let's be honest. Uh, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., anyone, even, even, um, Joe Mixon, any one of those four cats can easily like break one open and take it to the house within, mm-hmm. I don't know, 10, 15 seconds. So, uh, so I, I just, I just don't have a, a real strong conviction. That's why I'm going to tease, uh, the under the under down. So, um, so we'll see mm-hmm. what happens there. Uh, again, Bill Barnwell joining us here on, on 98.7 ESPN. Are, are there any prop bets that stand out to you or, or anything that any player out there that stands out to you that you're like, wow, you want to check out and see if there's a prop bet that would favor that player. Oh, yeah, you know, the only one I've seen so far that stood up to me that I was a little surprised by was, I forget what the line was, I think it was minus 120, it might be 115 or might even 110 now, um, but the Bengals kicking the longest field goal of mm-hmm. the game uh, with Evan McPherson being, you know, a guy who not only attempted more long field goals than anybody else in football this year and hit more long field goals of 50, 50, plus, 50, yards, uh, 50 plus yards, excuse me, than anybody else in football this year, but a guy they clearly trust and a guy they clearly are comfortable putting out there for long field goals, um, even in, you know, outdoor conditions. So, uh, of course, you know, SoFi is going to be pretty warm. We're expecting, expecting, you know, good weather in Los Angeles for the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if we saw a 50-plus yard field goal or two in that day. I mean, Rams could certainly try him out there. But, 
a guy who has been struggling with this. So it wouldn't shock me if they were in no man's land for Sean McVay to go for it, maybe, uh, for yeah. the short rest. The Bengals might attempt a field goal there. I like it. I like that a lot. There's another there's another uh, over under out there in regard to the field goals. Will you know, will field goal be made over under 48 and a half yards and you can get the mm-hmm. over at like minus 105. And I'm all over that as well yeah. because as you pointed out, you know, McPherson has been just been fierce. Let's be honest. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we a number of people uh, you know, laughed at and criticized the Bengals for drafting him in this year's draft. But boy, that is uh, special teams. It's a unit I, I think not enough people appreciate. So uh, that's a prop bet out there that I like. Again, Bill Barnwell joining us here at 90.7 ESPN. Bill, let's look bigger picture here uh, and just go outside of that Super Bowl box and talk about some of the, the uh, you know, what's happening in around the NFL. And let's take a look in regard to the coaching situation. And, and you know, I don't want to spend too much time talking about you know, the drama circulating with, uh, with, with Flores and whatnot. I just, I'd rather let's, let's, let's bring the folks up to speed in regard to uh, the uh, where, where we stand with everything. Right. Like, so uh, the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, right. Uh, Denver, uh, Nathan Hackett, uh, the Jags, Doug Peterson, the Giants, Brian Dable, the bears, um, who, who the bears hire again, Matt, um, Matty Matty the Colts defensive coordinator. There we go. So so what what is open? The Dolphins or or the Vikings? I know the Vikings were considering Harbaugh, but that he he pulled a a big U turn. Did he pull a big U turn, or did (laughs) the Minnesota Vikings say thank you but no thank you? Do you know the story behind what happened there with Harbaugh and the Vikings? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I certainly you know ESPN's Courtney Cronin has reported that. um, you know, it seems like Harbaugh may have shown up expecting it was going to be his job, and it seems like maybe the Vikings were treating it as more of a, a real interview, and so there might have been a disconnect there, certainly. You know, it's always possible Jim Harbaugh was only taking this interview to try and extract more money or more power out of his current job at Michigan. So I, I sort of feels like maybe it wasn't as wasn't as much of a lock as it expected, but it certainly seems like Kevin O'Connell the Rams, I believe offensive coordinator, not the, I think he's DSC there, yeah, uh, is going to be eventually taking that job once the Super Bowl ends. Okay. So really what's open, what's still remaining is the Dolphins, the Saints, and and the Texans, right? Am I leaving anything yeah. out? I don't I don't mm-hmm. think I am, right? I believe that's correct. And so, and, and I, do, you, do, do, do you imagine that, you know, a number, a, a big reason why a number of these spots have not been filled is because there's coaches that they are eyeing that are working on, on both the Super Bowl teams? I think that's certainly possible. You know, Raheem Morris with the Rams is certainly going to be uh, a candidate who could be interesting to uh, teams here and there. I know Brian Flores is a guy who, you know, the Texans and the Saints, I believe, both interviewed. And so, uh, you know, there are questions about whether he might have uh, certainly, you know, a future with one of those jobs. And I think his lawsuit um, may uh, certainly have to figure impacts that one way or another. Um, and maybe the Saints, realistically, I don't know if they were, maybe they were hoping that Sean Payton was going to come back. And so they're sort of, you know, a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to research and coaching candidates, where a team like the Jags, for example, you know, once they fired Urban Meyer, and I think it was November, maybe early December, they knew, okay, we're going to have to look for a guy. So, um, you know, I do think that, uh, you know, we could see some of the people who are coaching in the Super Bowl get opportunities with some of these clubs. Um, but I think there's also guys out there who are viable candidates who were 
Brady Quinn interviews him about him, which certainly could be after it seems like he, you know, was going to get the drag job and then kind of step back at the last second. So, um, still a lot up in the air, I think, with these three opportunities for these three teams. What about Eric Bieniemy? Why do you feel that that Bieniemy mm-hmm. is, you know, I feel like each and every year we're, we're talking about him and the potential of him getting a job, and then Kansas City obviously hasn't advanced to the postseason. So, do, do you feel that this could be his year? And if not, why? Yeah, I think it's a fair question. You know, I think it's been a combination of things. You know, I think there is that that question of, you know, our our coaches of color being discriminated against or whether it's conscious or unconscious that's likely to get opportunities and I think we have a fair amount of evidence that's the case and um, you know Eric the enemy's resume is, is pretty impressive uh, certainly not you know you can certainly poke holes but you can poke holes in any of these guys I mean Brian Dable uh, has never been a head coach at any level you know it has been a great play caller for the Bills but um, you know the enemy's done play calling for the Chiefs who have been a very impressive offense for years now Um you know, I, I think he's a guy who, when you talk to his players, when you talk to his the people around him, his coaches, everyone has great things to say. It's not like he's someone who's being criticized, you know, publicly or privately. So uh, it could just be the interviews. It could be something where, you know, it hasn't been the right timing. But certainly I feel like he's more than qualified to be an NFL head coach. And, um, you know, I, I wonder if maybe, like, he, he, his, how can I put this? maybe the pot's off the boil a little bit just because it hasn't been the best year for the Chiefs. But I think in the next couple of years, he certainly deserves a head coaching opportunity. And I like to think he'll get one, but, uh, you know, the fact that he hasn't got one already is, is a little confusing to me as well. Bill Barnwell joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Bill, before we let you go, let's talk about the quarterback carousel that happens each and every year, mm-hmm. right? And there's a number of teams. Obviously, Ben is gone in Pittsburgh. Will it be Mason Rudolph? Will it be somebody else? The Green Bay Packers, no one is expecting. Well, very little people are expecting Aaron Rodgers to return there. Will it be the season of Jordan Love? Mm-hmm. We'll see. The Texans, uh, well, actually, the Texans, Davis Mills, I, I feel, uh, really showed what he could do. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they move forward mm-hmm. with him. The Saints, is it going to be Taysom Hill, the Bucks? no more Tom Brady. Denver, a lot of people feel that that could be a landing place for Aaron Rodgers, right? With uh, the Raiders, whoever, you know, is, is, is Josh going to work with Derek Carr? I hope he does. Derek Carr, I felt, had a great season. The 49ers, looks like mm-hmm. they're moving on from um, – from uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, which yeah. I feel is a Jimmy huge Garoppolo mistake, yeah. but you know, we'll oh. see. And, uh, and last but not least, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, I feel like the last two or three years, we hear speculation that this could be his last year in Seattle. What, what mm-hmm. quarterback moves do you anticipate as we head into the postseason? Yeah. I mean, certainly a lot there. I, I think Russell Wilson stays put. I think Derek Carr stays put. Um, you know, I think those two would stand out to me as maybe the ones that come to mind is like, you know, they're going to not move. I feel pretty confident they're staying where they are. Um, when especially if Derek Carr signed a contract extension, say with the Raiders, for the next few years. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a big piece. And I think Aaron Rodgers is, of course, the biggest piece. I, I could see Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay. I, I know it seems unlikely. I, you know, I, I, I think it's maybe more likely than not he gets traded. But I don't think it's like 5% that he stays. I think it's closer to like 40 45% that he stays. Um, if he does get traded, if you think Denver makes sense, I think the Packers will work with Rodgers to get him to a place where he's happy and comfortable. And I think Daniel Hackett was hired in Denver because they think they can get Aaron Rodgers to sort of convince him to come to Denver. Certainly Denver has young players and draft picks to offer the Packers. So if he goes there, um, I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a starting opportunity somewhere. I think, you know, 
we can get into Jimmy at the whole other conversation. I think he is a uh, solid quarterback, and I think that the Steelers do make sense. If they can make the cap work, I think that's going to be the tough part. They probably have to give Garoppolo an extension as part of that deal. I know there's going to be quarterbacks they're going to be interested in, maybe in the draft, but I think Garoppolo could end up in uh, possibly in Pittsburgh or I would say even Tampa Bay, um, where I think it could be Garoppolo or maybe Carson Wentz if Carson Wentz gets traded. Um, from Indianapolis, where it seems like they were pretty unhappy with how their first season ended with Carson Wentz as their quarterback. So, you know, I think it's going to be one of those off seasons where everyone's kind of holding, their, you know, kind of holding up and waiting to see what happens. And that one first move is going to happen. Probably Rodgers, I think, will be the first move. And then I think everything will fall into place after that. Well, just to give you some odds, the Denver Broncos to win the Super Bowl next year, anticipating obviously it to be Aaron Rodgers, eighteen to one. Obviously, if Aaron Rodgers does mm-hmm. get traded to the Denver Broncos, you're not going to get those odds for sure. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> to win the Super Bowl. Let's say hypothetically speaking, uh, they get Jimmy Garoppolo, forty to one. And last but not least, wow. the Tampa Bay Bucks to win the Super Bowl. Uh, to- 20 to one if that could be a landing place for jimmy garoppolo just some odds out there listen i'm i'm definitely going to throw some coin on the denver broncos uh by the way little Mm -hmm. nugget here and that is aaron Rodgers' fiance uh her family lives in boulder just fyi so a little Mm -hmm. home cooking there for them exactly and uh, so i'm going to throw some coin on on definitely the pittsburgh steelers at 40 to 1 and, and the denver broncos at 18 to 1 why not um Bill, you rock. Always appreciate it when you you join us. You have a great weekend, and if I don't talk to you before the Super Bowl, enjoy that as well. Thank you, my friend. Anytime. You got it. Again, Bill Barnwell, Anita Marks, you've been listening to We Can Wager here on 98.7 ESPN with a little futures bet. We spent a lot of time tonight breaking down the big game, also talking a little golf, a little NBA for you as well. I want to thank Aaron Dolan, Mike Clay, David Behrman, as well as Bill Barnwell. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. I'm back with you tomorrow afternoon, high noon at noon. And um, I've got a very, very special guest who's going to be joining me, Harry Carson is going to be joining me to talk about uh, all that has transpired this week with uh, with with Brian Flores and 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 the NFL and, and what's going on with the lack of minority minority hiring in or around the league. So that is appointment radio when Harry Carson, giant great, joins me at twelve thirty in the afternoon tomorrow. So everybody have a great night. Talk to you tomorrow right here on ninety eight point seven. ESPN. This is the Weekend Wager with Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.